When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, folks, and welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charlie Burris here, as always, with my co-host and A to Z Sports Tennessee writer, Zach Reagan. And wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything Vols every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. And if it sounds like something you want to listen to regularly, go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on iTunes and Spotify. New episodes drop there every Monday, and you won't miss a single thing if you subscribe. Uh, and on other episodes, you'll actually get music when I have my full setup, and not like today. I'll explain in a second. At Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT on Twitter. Then at A to Z Sports on Twitter and Instagram. Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports. Nashville and A to Z Sports.com for everything, Zach. And I write, Zach, I am on the road for this episode traveling for the holidays visiting some family so i don't have my normal music my normal setup uh i am in a a childhood bedroom for someone who is not me but is a relative of my wife um and so we're you know we're, we're doing a live baby let's go uh plenty to talk about this week uh but zach what's up man I just enjoying your your different background that you have. I'm I'm used to like some bourbon bottles, and there looks like a little bit of wildlife on the on the wall there behind you. There there is in in this room uh, that we're in rural Virginia. Uh, if that tells you anything at all, love the love the folks whose home this is. God bless them. Uh, they have taxidermied fish, taxidermied deer. Uh, a, th- there's a tax. I don't know if, is that a groundhog head? Something over <laughs> here. Uh, a gun, a full gun case besides all, beside all the taxidermy. Um, and so it's, you know, beautiful if that's what you're into, but, uh, yes, not my normal setup like I usually have, but Hey, we, we got a good a guest on the show today. That is the first deer that my wife's uncle shot. Uh, maybe I'll let him weigh in on on uh, everything <laughs> at the bowl game. See what he thinks about it. Uh, but uh, to start out, we got to start with the biggest news out of Tennessee, at least in my opinion. Hinden Hooker, the Vols quarterback, says that he is coming back for another year on Rocky Top. He'll be, I believe, a super senior, uh, and it's it's really a COVID eligibility year tacked on to the end of his time, and. This is a big development, obviously, because the dude had a huge year with Tennessee, a surprise year, a year that was far better than I think we ever anticipated from a quarterback in year one with Josh Heupel. Exciting news. Uh, what were your thoughts when you saw that, Zach? I was kind of caught off guard. I was uh, I was actually at a at a Christmas parade that my kid was in yesterday afternoon, where it was getting to start, and it popped up across my phone. I was like, of course, something like this happens when I'm nowhere near a computer, can't really you know, do anything with this at the moment. I was, uh, 
messaging back and forth with Austin Stanley, who who owns A to Z Sports, co-owns A to Z Sports. It, it just the way it kind of dropped out of nowhere. I thought maybe Hooker would do like a Trey Smith, Peyton Manning style press conference where he announced it, but I guess since he's you know he's he's not really like he's not to that level. I mean, he could he could get there with another great year, but he he's not from Tennessee. He's not you know like Peyton kind of. We we knew what he was. He was setting records. We understood what kind of what we were living through and how big it was that he decided to come back to Tennessee. That was a lot different than this situation. But yeah, it just kind of caught me off guard. I wasn't really ready for it yet. I thought it might be another week or so before we really heard uh, his plans. Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, it it kind of suggested to me, and then this is just spe- speculation uh, on my part, but that maybe he was almost not considering jumping at all uh and and just i mean i mean they had a, like a promo video ready and everything so clearly this was in the works for a minute uh already even prior to the announcement and so I, maybe this was just a total no-brainer for him he's back ready to go didn't have to give it that much thought uh and and is just enthusiastic about another year at tennessee i mean that that's what i hope it is uh, and i think it's to his benefit we've already talked about it on this show we both believe i think that another year will benefit him and probably raise his draft stock considerably um and so i very happy to see it glad that he's he's coming back and and however he has to do it i'm happy that he did i i would have been happy with a Peyton manning announcement yeah he's probably not that big of a guy but at this you got to think at this point with Tennessee fans and then just the condition of the program and what we want to see, I think we all would have been okay if he if he came out and, and had a an I'm staying press conference. But uh, I like the way he did it. Yeah, it, it's certainly possible that since you mentioned that, maybe he wasn't really that seriously considering it. it it's very possible that it, us and, and people in the media just kind of built it up where they kind of talked about, hey, he's, he's on a draft board. And kind of feels like he was just a guy that was included at the bottom of the draft board that they just kind of had to use to fill it out. I know the Athletic had him as like their number eight or or no, number 12 quarterback uh, last week, which would have put him, I think, undrafted last year and then maybe like the fifth, sixth, seventh round in the year before. So he probably – would have been around like a seventh, sixth, seventh round draft pick, maybe undrafted. Certainly not a lock to make any roster. There's really no point if you're in a good situation at Tennessee and you think you can improve your draft stock. Why not come back for another year? Uh, you're certainly not going to hurt your draft stock. I wouldn't think so. Yeah, it's definitely possible that he really wasn't considering it, and we just kind of built the hype. Might have been, might be doing the same thing with Cedric Tillman, who still hasn't announced if he's coming back. Uh, the only other one at this point that I think we really don't know what they're going to do is Cade Mays. And there's been kind of some, some rumblings that maybe he will stick around another year. Uh, it, it still seems doubtful, but it, it's a little bit more of a possibility now than it was a couple of weeks ago. And, th- and that could be a situation where he saw his draft grade, uh, draft grade after this past year where he was trying to beat up and, and really didn't like what he saw. Maybe. And man, if you could get all those guys back, just mm. that would be so huge just to keep a nice consistent foundation and then you can get some of these young guys going this coming year that are part of these recruiting classes and you know hopefully you don't get a mass exodus of transfers it's, it's also interesting that you haven't had 
uh, many transfers, uh, outgoing guys. Um, and, and I mean, guys that are leaving, not guys that are coming in. Hopefully we get a bunch of guys coming in. Uh, that would be nice. And we've, we're going to talk a little bit about that in a minute uh, because of Auburn is falling apart for some reason now. And there's some pretty nice options available on the transfer portal. Uh, but I, I think if you could get all of these guys to come back, it's massive. And I got to imagine Hooker making this announcement and being pretty declarative in, in his his want to come back. Re, what did he say? Run it back or however the mm-hmm. kid, however the kids are saying it these days, you know, um, I, I think that that's got to be at least encouraging to to Tillman. I mean, you got to look and you go like, I get my guy back. I get my quarterback back. Hopefully you get that. Whole and then you, trio coming you back. replace uh Valus Jones is really your speedster. You replace him with Jalen Hyatt and you've really yeah. got a nice, nice little lineup there. And then plus Jimmy holiday, Jimmy Calloway, uh, assuming both those guys are bad Romeo Keaton, who was seeing more playing time towards the end of the, end of the year. It yeah, sets up to be a really nice offensive year, but we were talking about this a little bit before the show earlier today, our friend Buck rising kind of, dropped a, a bit of a nugget that uh he's heard that Josh Heupel did not guarantee Hendon Hooker the starting job in their end of year get together meeting where they kind of go over things you know he he, nec- he didn't for sure say he'd be the starter like if you come back I can't guarantee you're the guy and I think we all think Hooker of course is going to be the guy how could he not be I mean it's ludicrous, right, to think anything otherwise. It, it's not going to be Joe Milton. Uh, we didn't see him take any step forward. I don't think you can count on Taven Jackson, who's going to be a true freshman next year, who's supposed to sign later this week with Tennessee. Uh, unless you go get a uh, Max Johnson from LSU or, or Bo Nix from Auburn, and I, I'd rather have Hendon Hooker than Bo Nix based on what I saw this year. Uh, what – who else would you go with there? I mean, what what do you make of that? Yeah, you're. I don't know why you'd want to upset that apple cart when you know the guy ran the offense really effectively, and he's just going to have an entire other off season to work through it and get even better. I mean, if you brought in a kid per se, Taven Jackson as some revelation, and just because there are. With Hooker, he he has just some technique stuff that he could just get better at. He he yeah. he is not paid Manning out there, but he's way better than any of the guys that you got. And uh, so, I it's hard for me to imagine that he wouldn't be the guy. Of course, Buck got, Buck's got to be the wet blanket man. So that's his <laughs> mo, isn't it? Um, you know, in in any given situation like this. But I I think if you if you are hypo, I mean, you want you almost have to say that to him. Right. I mean, you don't have to, but you don't want him to get complacent. You you right. want him. You you go like I, I think you could almost infer to him. You could say that and have it be inferred. We're basically like this job is yours unless you lose it. And I think that that makes sense to me saying to him just flat out. I'm not guaranteeing you the job. That's kind of weird. But if he said it like the job is yours, but. It's not yours if you if you blow it. If I if if I see another kid that's better than you, it's you know, which is I think that's regular college football meritocracy right there. You want the best kid uh, on on the field. 
to be playing in the yeah, game. Yeah, I mean, we've we've seen this from Nick Saban, kind of with Jalen Hurts before, right? And, and mm-hmm. Dabo Sweeney with, with Kelly Bryant. Both those guys led those programs to college football playoff appearances. And they decided, you know, Saban and Sweeney both decided that they needed more. And they went with the young guys. They went with you know, Saban went with Tua, won a championship. Uh Dabo went with Trevor Lawrence as a true freshman, and I believe they won a, they won a championship his true freshman year in 2018. So this isn't something that's like abnormal. If this is what Heupel said, it's not. I mean, this is kind of what elite coaches do, right? You, you competition breeds greatness type deal. I I think the the perfect example of that. It's a little bit different than exactly what we're talking about, but just in terms of what a guy like Nick Saban preaches just one of one of the most absurd things that happened this weekend was a comment from Bryce Young after he won the Heisman <laughs> so he, he wins he wins the Heisman naturally had a massive season with Alabama he's going to go win a national championship in a few weeks uh, but afterward let me see if I can get the exact quote up here this is what he said after he won the Heisman he said Quote, I've always been ruled out and kind of doubted. For me, it's always been about not really proving them wrong, but proving to myself what I can accomplish. Dude, there is not a soul on earth who doubted this kid. He was, I believe, according to 247 Sports, the number 20 highest rated recruit of all time. Bonafide five-star across the board. No service, didn't rate him a five. He was literally, literally like a .9999 rated recruit. Just off the charts. He goes to a Nick Saban coached Alabama team. And and we're supposed to believe like, oh, everybody always doubted me. No, they did not. No, they they doubted him so much that he had, what, a a (laughs) seven-figure deal before he ever was the starter. So remember absurd. that, yeah. But that, but that is what Saban. That's Saban's entire mo. He knows that he cannot let his team get high on their own fumes, and so he goes in there and he goes, "Did you hear what the guy in the local media is saying about you guys?" He called. He said, "He said that scoring forty-two points was pretty good. Pretty good." He could have said, "Great." But he didn't. He just said, pretty good. He's He hates you. He thinks that you suck. Like, Nick Saban has to go in and say stuff like that. And it reflects in his quarterback's comments. It's almost there. like the, uh, I mean, it makes me think of, like, Michael Jordan whenever we watched The Last Dance. And he talked about how he always felt slighted. Uh, he took it personally. <laughs> that's kind of what it makes me think of. Maybe that's just a trait that the truly great elite athletes and coaches have. I mean, you have to draw motivation from somewhere. And if you're a... A five-star kid who's that highly rated, who's just kind of waltz through life as the guy. Uh, yeah, you got to get motivation somewhere. So you got to pretend that somebody's doubting you, I guess. All, all of the greats are a cutthroat. Ho- hopefully, uh, Hooker can be that guy. I don't want him to like wrong anybody uh, with competitive edge. Um, but hopefully that he, he takes whatever was said. I taking Buck at his word, whoever he spoke to and knew that that was what was said, maybe uh, to Hooker. I hope Hooker takes it as motivation as he should. And as if that was said, I'm sure that was the intention behind it. Um, I think it, if that was said, uh, it, it shows how competitive Hooker is, though, right? 
okay, I'm not guaranteed the job. Do I go try to latch on with an NFL team kind of like Tyler Bray did after 2012 where, you know, you might go undrafted, you might end up on a practice squad, but I'm going to be making six figures. I'm going to be making pretty good money. Or do I go back and prove myself again at Tennessee? And he chose to prove himself again. So he's clearly, he's not afraid of competition, you know, if, if that's what was said. Yeah, I, I think it's awesome all, all the way around, no matter what was said to who. So glad he's coming back. It, I mean, I, I think it, it's going to give you legitimate preseason hype at this point. Oh, yeah. Obviously, as I think they'll be ranked. I do, too. I, I, I mean, as Tennessee fans, you know, you take that with the largest grain of salt that you can. We all know the deal here. The I believe the year was it the year that Fulmer was fired? Tennessee was preseason number one or no, no, no. Um, it was uh, oh five. The yeah, year they went, yeah. they went, five, they went they, five and seven that year. Yes, that, that's right. It was the first really bad year. Before yes. The, it was they lost the to Vanderbilt that year. Yeah. The, the beginning of the end for Fulmer. Uh, to, to yeah. the, uh, oh, that had, defense was was really good that year. Mm. Should have been should have been a really good team. Yeah, what it could have should have the story of Tennessee football. Uh, yeah, but really exciting, and and that's nice. And we can kind of obviously get to that in the next few weeks. But what is also exciting? Bowl game coming up. Diving into that a little bit more. We won't get into the full preview of it until just the the, the week before. And again, uh, I'll I'll plug this quickly, even though I can't give you the details. Some exciting developments coming with our coverage of the bowl game. So stay tuned. For that, between uh, between myself, Zach, and and former Vols quarterback Jonathan Crompton, who is part of our our Tennessee coverage team, um, so you know keep keep your ear to the ground. We'll have uh, announcements about that coming soon, hopefully. But um, with the bowl game, you're playing Purdue, and you're getting some of your best players announcing they're coming back. They're going to be playing in the game, presumably, um, and quite the opposite. Purdue's essentially the best two players uh, are bouncing out. They're not playing in the bowl game. Not necessarily surprising. Kids that both have NFL aspirations, I believe David Bell, uh, the the running back and then defensive end who what what was the kid's name again? I, I had it open and then my internet screwed up. Uh but uh yeah, it's uh George Carl Carl Leftis, Carl Le- Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Close enough. Um, but those two guys yeah. not not playing in the bowl game. And it interesting, but the thing with the thing with that is I, I guess I look at it on one hand and I go, hey, you know, it is it I think it vastly improves Tennessee's chances of winning that game. You take away a decent chunk of their pass rush, you take away a decent chunk of their running game. And then I also go like, is this just gonna be another thing where Tennessee goes and just murders a Big Ten team? This is this is what we did with Butch. You just you win by forty, and everybody everybody makes a trip, and it's fun. And hey, we all high five in the stands. But at the end of the day, is do I want a compelling game or do I want to blow them out and be assured a win? I lean towards a compelling game. Um, but mm. may, hey, maybe maybe you just want to have have a good time, take it easy. I don't, maybe that's just me. Yeah, I'm I'm on the good time, take it easy. I want the like the 45 to six romping of Northwestern in the Outback bowl a few years ago, just take it easy, no injuries, blow them out. And then you'll really see the hype begin to build over the summer, which is a good and bad thing. I mean, I think it's great that Tennessee gets hyped, but also you don't want to buy into that hype too much. Uh, 
Tennessee, if you looked at their schedule next year, they're not going to win 12 games next year. Um, I think their best they could really do is 10 games with a bowl win, and that's beating one or that's beating Florida or LSU. Uh, I think the LSU game is, is still going to be difficult because they have a somewhat competent coach now. And then Florida, as you've said many times before, that it's a loss till it's not. So you, you really you can't afford to drop a game. You you can't regress next year. If you go eight and five this year, you can't go seven and six next year. You have to go at least eight and five, nine and four, something like that. But you know, you you still want that hype to build because it's good for recruiting. And Tennessee, you know, that's what's going to get them back to relevancy in the SEC East. And I I, I don't know. It's right after the holidays. I don't really have it in me to sit through a nail biter of a bowl game that doesn't really mean anything. But you also don't want to see a loss there. You don't want to see seven and six. So yeah, I want I want it over early. I I want the Missouri game again. I will certainly take both. I will say I obviously for teams that aren't Tennessee. What I love seeing in bowl season is a compelling game. A blowout is boring. Yes, change the channel usually. Um. So I yeah I guess probably I I lean with you in in Tennessee's case alone in every other bowl game I want to see a close nail biter, uh, but in Tennessee's case yeah let's win by fifty I'm down with that I, yeah I'm good I mean I, you, we we have to watch the whole game either way it's part of what we For do sure. regardless we can't we can't walk away so I'd rather watch it and not have anxiety not like the uh, the Kentucky game the Ole Miss game those two games this year gave me a lot of anxiety. And they were, you know, no, I was exhausted at the end of both of those games because I was just literally on the edge of my seat the whole time. I don't want to do that. Uh, I'd, I'd rather just take the blowout. Hopefully some of the other games, like you said, are close games where we can kind of enjoy those. I I would be for it. You you talked me into it. Uh, so <laughs> with, with that said, I, I think Purdue could probably still be – fairly good they had a good you know i mean they're what eight and four right yeah they they had a pretty good season uh all things considered even though the big ten is kind of a candy league but um i i like like that little slight there towards the big ten just kind of (laughs) tossed in there (laughs) casually it's like you know couldn't help myself uh but i i still i think they're they're gonna give you a good game they they beat michigan state that was their best best one of the year michigan state's pretty pretty good team. I don't know how they would really stack up against the SEC team, but they they seem pretty good. They beat Michigan. And Michigan's in the playoffs, so um, you know, uh, t- take it to what it is, but essentially they're two best players out, but they are going to have the bulk of their team still. Hope, hopefully it's a... F- I'll, I'll just put it this way. Hopefully it's a fun game. Whatever That's a home that, game for Tennessee, so... Yeah. That- Whatever that means to you, um, I and and the thing the thing that always bums me out playing in Nissan Stadium, home of the Tennessee Titans, my my boys, uh, is that Tennessee fans fill Nissan Stadium better than Titans fans usually do. Uh, we got to improve that. I've I've tried to say it. I try to get converts. The Titans were so badly timed in their creation because they exactly met up with Peyton leaving Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And so many Tennessee fans became Colts fans rather than becoming Titans fans. 
I've always resented that. I hate the Colts so much. So happy we swept them this year. I know there are people listening to this who are Colts fans because there's a ton of Tennessee fans that are. Well, I, no, they're. I mean, I, I assume they went to being Broncos fans, and they're just yeah, kind oh, of maybe, in the wilderness now. Maybe, uh, but I. It made me hate the Colts so much. It didn't help that the Colts just perennially kicked our butts. So how uh, how did you feel then back then when Peyton was, you know, the the ninety eight through two thousand eleven, whatever it was, when when Peyton was in Indianapolis setting records? How how did you feel as a Titans fan and as a Tennessee fan? I just always when he was in when he was at Denver, I was congratulations, love to see Peyton yeah. succeed. When he was with the Colts. And there was that resentment there, and I just, you know, oh, the freaking Colts, dude. It, it obviously. How did you feel when they beat the Bears in the Super Bowl? Or, I mean, were you happy for Peyton, or were you? I mean, I would say that was the exact extent of it. Congratulations to Peyton Manning. The rest of you guys can screw off. Like that was basically that. That was as charitable as I can be. I love to see Peyton Manning succeed. He is one of my favorite people in all of sports. Uh, and and an absolute hero to me since I was a small child. But it just that that whole thing has always has always been weird. Never will I badmouth Peyton Manning, but the Colts can go jump off a cliff. That's that's all I know. Um, and so you know, the, I I just I've always felt like. Peyton, an amazing son of Tennessee, but he really genuinely, I, this has always been my theory. It probably didn't make as big of an impact as I'm giving it, but he really hurt the Titans as a franchise and you still feel it today. I I mean, you, I, I think you still see it today where you have, I mean, think about how successful the Titans have been in the last few years and they can't like sell out their own stadium. We made it to the AFC championship game two years ago. And I, I don't, I, it pisses me off, but it really is mind blowing because like you said, uh, Vols fans feel Nissan Stadium. They obviously they feel Neyland. There's tons of passionate football fans in the state of Tennessee, uh, and yeah, it doesn't make any sense as to how they don't really rally behind the Titans. I, I mean, it look like the Preds. Whenever the Preds went on their run, you had all kinds of bandwagon fans coming out of nowhere, kind of jumping on that and and buying into the hype and becoming hockey fans for the first time in their life. And you don't really see that as much with the Titans. It is kind of bizarre. Yeah, it kills me, man. That That's an entire side tangent. Point being, it is going to be a salad for Tennessee. <laughs> I saw some fans on Twitter, some Tennessee fans, uh, having back and forth with Purdue fans because Tennessee fans were taking like internal links for Purdue mm-hmm. tickets and disseminating them among Tennessee fans and going Tennessee fans buy up Purdue tickets buy up Purdue tickets and Purdue fans yeah there will be no you. Purdue section <laughs> be a bunch of Tennessee fans on the Purdue bench don't don't give us a game in Nashville you know Tennessee. how many you don't want that to happen per, how many Purdue fans uh, in Nashville are going to wonder who the hell Jimmy Hyams is when they're hearing all those <laughs> Jeff Brom stories and <sighs> quotes and all that. So have, on that note, this is beside the point from Himes. That, that's hilarious. But uh, have you followed the, the saga with the University of Louisville at all? With the with no. Jeff Brom of supposedly. I just saw Matt Jones, Kentucky Sports Radio, tweeting about this some in the last few days 
Uh, and, and speaking of Kentucky, this is, man, thoughts and prayers to that state at, at the moment. Horrific mm, stuff. My yes. parents, my Bowling Green, Kentucky got hit by a tornado. My parents were there. They got trapped in the, not trapped. That's, that's not good. They didn't get trapped. They had to go for a couple of hours and hunker down in the bottom of a hotel in Bowling Green, Kentucky this weekend. Um, scary situation there. I woke up to texts from them being like, we're going, we're going to the bottom level of the hotel. There's a tornado right outside. Like it was scary, but uh, nonetheless, uh, just shout out there. If we're going to talk about the state of Kentucky, had to say that. Um, but Louisville, supposedly, according to Matt Jones, what I saw, they're having the shakeup with their president and their AD and supposedly the AD wanted to hire Jeff Brom. Well, he uh, went, didn't he come from Louisville, right? Yes, he did. He's a he's Louisville. He was Louisville's quarterback, I believe, right. if I'm remembering yeah. correctly. And uh, AD wanted to hire Jeff Brom, throw out Satterfield, uh, and the president wouldn't let him. And so they, I think, they both are thinking about leaving. Did leave? Have taken a leave of at? Like, there's some sort of like shakeup happening there also their their basketball coach is just coming off as a suspension from <laughs> some stuff that had like it's just a freaking mess up there uh at louisville but um it's i just thinking of brahm uh i just thought maybe i need to look that up whatever matt jones said so maybe he's been talking i i don't i don't know maybe he's been talking to louisville i i'm not sure if that's just i, I mean it wouldn't or, surprise me at all i mean he talked to tennessee so yeah, that, that's true. But um, always fun with the coaching carousel. That would just be yet another job that would come open. I guess with the, the Oregon job that it didn't spring open another job, just the D. They took uh, the defensive coordinator at Oregon, which that's, yeah. that's kind of an odd hire. I don't I don't know if I want to go too far down that well, road. Well, I think it, it is a very odd hire. From what I understand, Chip Kelly's buyout at UCLA was an issue, which I do not understand because you've got Nike money at Oregon. If you want Chip Kelly, you'll go get Chip Kelly. I mean, if Auburn can fire Gus Malzahn and owe him $20 million to hire Brian Harson, And then Brian Harson was reportedly very interested in the Oregon job. He's looking for his way out of Auburn, and that yeah. whole thing down there is falling apart. It's just terrible to see, right? And uh, oh, I'm weeping for them. I think <laughs> Justin Wilcox from California interviewed, and it wasn't a good fit. So they just kind of missed. I, I don't know why they didn't go with Harson. Maybe they just didn't really like what he did at Auburn. I'm not really sure exactly what happened there. Lane Kiffin was reportedly interested uh, from an Oregon columnist who is supposedly pretty dialed into the program. That Lane said that Lane Kiffin had expressed interest in the job, which, you know, you forget Lane is from the West Coast and yep. came from the Pac-12. So, and that roster is pretty stacked. Cristobal's leaving the cupboard full there. I mean, that's a good situation to walk into. But Oregon wasn't interested in him, and, you know, not many people are interested in Kiffin these days, it seems, even though he led Ole Miss to 10 wins. So that is bizarre. I mean, hiring George's defensive coordinator – you really you think Kirby Smart's probably the one that's responsible for that defense because it's you know it's it's been good through Mel Tucker and now through a second DC. Uh, I don't know. He's not from he's not a West Coast guy. I think he's from Missouri or something. I, I don't I don't know. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It doesn't feel like a good fit at all for Oregon. Yeah, the, it just struck me as odd. I guess 
Yeah, you're kind of saying it there. Primarily, just a, de- a defensive guy at Oregon is so strange. But yeah, um, but he, here's I found what Matt Jones said about Louisville. So he said this was on the eighth, so a few days ago. He said so the Louisville AD wanted to get rid of the football coach to bring in Jeff Brom, but was told no by the president. This made the AD upset, so he is now leaving for Florida State. Uh, subsequently, the president is now also leaving for Penn State. And Louisville fans are left with Satterfield and no one else. So I don't know if anything else has come of that. What of that is actually true. Um, But maybe Jeff Brom will be all the more distracted and Tennessee can win by 60 instead of just 40. uh, Hopefully. But just freaking days of our lives drama over there at Louisville. They're kind of up there with Tennessee in terms of coaching nonsense. Um, yeah, they had a, I don't know if you remember this a few years ago, they had a situation where there was like a Wake Forest assistant that was giving plays to the Louisville coaches or something like that. It's something really bizarre. (laughs) It was a whole like WikiLeaks type deal. So my, my, my dad, I, I guess I mentioned it earlier saying that my family was in, I was not there, but my family was in Kentucky. Um, during the that out, the tornado outbreak, my dad is from Kentucky, and he's been a Louisville like a lifelong Louisville fan. Grew up uh, about an hour south of Louisville himself, um, and so I've always kind of had a tangential connection to it. My entire life, I lived in Tennessee, but he's from Kentucky, been a Louisville fan. So I've always tangentially followed them, and they have just had like drama after drama after drama, just in a different way from Tennessee. They've had more. They've had more stability. In coaching, strangely, but the whole Patino thing, and then they brought in Petrino uh, mm-hmm. in football, and did, I guess Petrino twice in football, and you know that's a controversial thing. So they they do bring it on themselves a little bit, and now this apparently uh, whatever they're they're doing, and then and the suspension with the <laughs> the basketball coach. So we're not alone down here in Tennessee. Just don't don't ever forget that there are other schools that do stupid stuff. <laughs> Just like Tennessee. Um, so with all of that said, speaking of schools that are falling apart, you talked about him there. Harson at Auburn is shedding off players, including really two of his best players. That defense is pretty stacked, and I haven't seen – I'm not sure if any of the defense has left. I might be forgetting someone. But Bo Nix is transferring from Auburn. That was interesting to see. Um, obviously their quarterback and a guy who's a, uh, I mean, his father was a famous Auburn player, so he's a legacy. Uh, and then tank Bigsby, they're starting running back leaving also, which tank give, give Josh Heupel a call, please. We need you to come to Knoxville, please. Um, so, and he's yeah, Bigsby's uh, really close with Rodney Gardner, so maybe that'll yes. <laughs> maybe something can happen there. Grease those wheels. Um, I, God, what a pickup that would be, man. If they stole Tink Bigsby like that, now the talk has been initially. I saw, I tweeted about the situation, and I saw some some uh, folks say to me that Georgia is his presumed mm. landing spot. But man, that Garner is a great recruiter. I I don't know. Maybe you can give him some kind of guaranteed NIL deal or something. Get that man to Knoxville because that dude, that's a game changer. If you can, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, now that you have sort of a an open spot with uh with Tyon Evans. Tyon Evans, yeah. Come come home, baby. Come come play for Garner. We need you. So just another quick note there on that situation. 
Yeah, it, 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 the Auburn deal is kind of strange. And it really feels like they've kind of went down the path that maybe Florida's going down by by hiring Napier. Oh. You, you, you fired Gus Malzahn, who really had never had a losing season at Auburn. Uh, it been, you know, beat Alabama several times and really had a, brought just a lot of stability to that program. And you fire him to bring in just Brian Harson, a complete unknown, really, as far as coaching in the SEC. Somebody who does not appear to be happy. He does. He list. He doesn't fit in at Auburn at all. I see these pictures of him with recruits, and he just it looks forced. It doesn't look natural. I think the whole thing's going to fail really badly for him. And he's obviously already looking for a way out when he's talked uh, to Washington, supposedly Oregon. He can't wait to get out. It feels like, so I, yeah, that thing, it looks like it's heading for a disaster. So here's just some interesting notes. Speaking of all of those, Auburn, Florida, uh, everybody right now in recruiting specifically, speaking of players leaving, I, dude, I'm just trying to find Florida. Where are they in these rankings? Florida football currently with Billy Napier at the helm, Mullen leaving 78th on 247 Sports. Seven commits. So they got obviously got plenty of open spots, but mm-hmm. just everybody fleeing that program. And then let, let's take this was just one uh, that I noted in the last couple of days. Number 33 is Ole Miss. So that's way behind Tennessee right now, I believe, is at 16. So Tennessee doubling them up in the rankings currently. Number 32, one spot ahead of Ole Miss, Vandy uh, with Clark Lee. So Kiffin currently, I don't I don't know that he's losing and recruiting to Vandy, but Vandy, I think Ole Miss will finish ahead of Vandy. But just yeah. an interesting note there. And then where is Auburn currently with I I hadn't looked, but are they in dire straits with that recruiting class? Uh I'm pretty sure they were below Tennessee as well. Yep. Man, this is this is crazy. 25, LSU, obviously new coach with uh, yeah, they've lost quite a few commits. Yeah, and then 26 is Auburn. So, hmm. all behind Tennessee. And With Gus Malzahn, Auburn's usually top top 10 easy. Yeah. That, I don't know, man. This, this is a big, big shakeup in the league. I, I think some of these guys will, will recover and get better and end up being yeah. good coaches. But at, as of right now, it's looking dicey. For everybody, I Ole Miss is kind of an outlier there. I think the Kiffin will he'll get that class further up, but um, and clearly he can he can turn a decent team yeah, out of just not all that much. Tweet some photos of Porsches. Have you seen that? The come to the sip thing, and he yes. tweeted out a picture of his Porsche in his garage. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. Uh, I I don't know if I even want to get in to, to all of that. We've talked about Kiffin too much in the last few weeks, but I, yeah. I, he's an interesting guy. I'll I'll just say that he's an interesting. He's cringe. Guy. It's cringe worthy. I think at this point, some of the stuff that he puts out there, it, it's too yes. much. It's, he's trying way too hard, and I think recruits are eventually going to see through all that. Well, and and now he lost his offensive coordinator, and there was actually some talk that Lebby was a huge part of the success of that offense more than more than 
people probably gave him credit for. Um, now that we was know, the talk. I don't know if that's totally true, but well, when he was at Florida Atlantic, when Kiffin was down there, his first year he had Kendall Browse as his OC, and they went. I think they won like ten or eleven games, and then Browse left and went to Houston, maybe or Florida State or somewhere like that. Yeah, and he had hired Charlie Weiss Jr. as his offensive coordinator, and FAU went five and seven that next year in twenty eighteen. I think he recovered in in. 2019 they won 10 games again but that was a big loss he lost his OC it impacted the team quite a bit Uh, I'm sure we could see the same thing although there have been rumors that maybe he'll try to get Browse who's now at Arkansas maybe you know get him to join him again in Oxford and that's certainly possible but if you're Browse why why leave Arkansas why put that pressure on yourself I mean you you got a good thing going there with Sam Pittman and Kiffin's kind of a wild card. You never know what he's going to do. I'd, I'd stay put. Zero reason to leave if you're yeah. if you're Bryles out outside of just a raised paycheck. But I think you could get that out of Arkansas just by being like, oh, Ole Miss wants to hire me away, and and they're probably well. Plus, you know, at Arkansas with he's that is Kendall Bryles' offense. I mean, Sam Pittman is the he's an offensive line guy. Otherwise, he's very much just like a CEO type head coach where he's overlooking everything. He's not dabbling in the offense. Whereas with Kiffin, you know, he's going to be in that room quite a bit. He's going to be wanting to put his spin on it, especially if you're lost Levy and you're bringing in somebody new. So I am just looking. It was a massive drop-off offensively between 20, 2017, I believe Kiffin's first year uh, at Florida Atlantic. I'm just looking here. 40.6 points per game the very next year, 2018. It drops down to 31 points per game. Yeah, it's pretty significant. A nine-point drop in points per game. Now, I I think Kiffin was pretty much living off of transfers down there, so that's a little bit of a tenuous situation. Mm. Lose a couple of your big guys, things could take a turn. But so so maybe losing Lebby will be very detrimental to him there. I it really we've talked about Kiffin so much. I don't know if I want to get into this. (laughs) It it almost feels like with this coaching carousel. I don't want to say that it's his last chance to jump to a huge job, but a lot of the huge jobs filled probably for the next three years at some of the ones that are close by. Like, L- I mean, LSU. When is that going to come open again? Three, four years yeah. at a minimum. Florida. When is that going to come? Three, four years at a minimum. Like some of these jobs where you go like that would be a marked step up. When are those going to come open again? There's only so many. Of yeah. those Auburn, Auburn's really Auburn's the only one, and uh, you know, do you go to Auburn if you're Kiffin? Is that is that what you want to do? Yeah, is that, is that, 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 that the much? one that you? Yeah, uh, te- you know, do you, Texas coming to the SEC? Uh, who knows how long Sarkeesian will be there? He didn't really have a good first year, or who knows how Brent Venables will work out at Oklahoma? But nobody really wanted to touch Kiffin. I mean, he's going to have to put it together for two or three years in a row to really get an offer from a program like that. Yeah. Are, are we actually seeing kind of those chickens come home to roost? Cause I think we all, we all assumed that he would just get this meteoric mm-hmm. rise, but our before this season, my entire thing with Kiffin was like, has he really done that, that much? I, you know, it felt like he got probably a little more 
not even a little more. He got way more hype than he deserved, in my opinion, even though I would have been happy to have him back as Tennessee's yeah. football coach with, with Heupel. I, I would have. But, you know, back then, where people were just bowing down at his feet, I'm like, uh, you know, I don't know if his resume really warrants that. I I like the guy. He's funny. But, like, uh, until this now, he I think this season, 10 wins in the SEC West is extremely impressive. Good for him. But <laughs> the, the last yeah. thing on Kiffin is one of the favorite, one of my favorite things when he was the offensive coordinator at Alabama, somebody uh, tweeted out, it's like, if you looked at Kiffin's resume in reverse order, it would make a lot of sense. Like OC at Alabama, head coach at USC, head coach at Tennessee, head coach of the Oakland Raiders. <laughs> it made no <laughs> sense that it went the opposite direction. <laughs> That's actually true. <laughs> I mean, he... I think we've said it here. He was he failed upwards. He really mm-hmm. did. I mean, ru- just a ruinous tenure with the Raiders, and then Tennessee just kind of out of nowhere picks him up uh, with with Mike Hamilton wanting to be cheeky with like a young hip hire or something. That's still still strange. But let's move on. Uh, the point of all of that was that there are good transfers on the market. Hopefully Hypel can horn in on some of them. Uh, man, God, Tank Bixby would be amazing. I don't, I feel like he probably won't be at Tennessee almost definitely, but they really, I mean, that would be the flashy glamorous one and it would be awesome, but they really, they really need to load up on some defensive players in the portal to be, I mean, some secondary guys with, with Alante moving on. There's there's some there's some holes there. You need some depth. They need some linebacker help badly. How much how much longer can Jeremy Banks? I mean, it feels like Jeremy Banks has been around forever at this point, but that would be really where I would focus if I was hypeful. You you definitely need it. Both sides of the ball would be nice, but defense, man, and especially linebacker. You mm-hmm. you need it badly. Hopefully they are getting around to that. But you know, uh, we'll speaking see. of the portal, we we really haven't seen any movement on that end uh, from Tennessee players. I mean, you had Tyon Evans there go into the portal, and since then, I don't think anybody has went into the portal for Tennessee. Have, unless I'm missing somebody, I mean, we really you. I kind of expected a rash of players to go in af- after the end of the season, and and I've heard rumors that that some players are planning to go after the bowl game, but you you never know how that'll work out. Maybe they will, maybe they won't don't really have specific names so we'll see how that works out but typically in college football now we're seeing these players go into the portal between the end of the season and before the bowl game like that seems to be the rule that everybody's following and Tennessee hasn't really lost anybody I I think you are going to just pretty regularly see I guess sort of the the corporate HR term would be like churn employee churn with uh with college players at this point because you just get guys who they had aspirations of playing at the at the SEC level they're just not good enough they realize they're not ever going to be that player and you know before they had to consider oh I'm going to have to sit out a year I can't play it's a whole thing and now they can just go wherever they want and you're going to have a decent amount of players getting shaved off from a whole bunch of different teams that way Tennessee is certainly not going to be alone if that ends up happening after the bowl game but it it's pretty I would say that is notable that Tennessee has not had it happen yet. Maybe it does happen after the bowl game. Hopefully not. But uh, 
I would say if it does, unless it's just some really prominent players, I wouldn't get too too upset about it. No, it's not going to be like last year. You can guarantee that. And at at this point, if you're losing these guys, I I would say trust trust Heupel and and kind of say like maybe he has plans for that position that just don't include that kid, and he has to go find his his playing time somewhere else because that's usually at a more stable program that's the case just the kid wants playing time somewhere else it's understandable so as long as it's not Bo Nix leaving Auburn kind of stuff fine by me Hook, Hooker's announcing he's coming back hopefully get your wide receivers back and I'm beyond that I think I'm fine and hopefully recruiting rounds out here and they don't have too much time left uh, at least before the early signing period uh, so We'll see what happens there. With all of that said, any before we move on, want to talk about basketball to end the episode. Uh, Zach, final thoughts on basketball before we end things here. Yeah, I'm just happy to see that that Tennessee's recruiting is kind of taking off the way it has. You touched on it a bit earlier, but to see these other programs like Florida and Auburn and Ole Miss kind of lagging behind, or Florida really lagging behind, and Tennessee just kind of steadily going up the rankings. I think we can erase a lot of those questions about Josh Heupel's recruiting. I didn't really understand those questions to begin with. You can't compare with somebody at UCF to what they're going to do in the SEC. I mean, Butch Jones had not great recruiting classes at Cincinnati that were in the 40s and 50s, and he did well at Tennessee. Tennessee, anybody can recruit there. I mean, Derek Dooley got some great players to come to Tennessee, and Cordero Patterson and, and Derek Rogers and some of these guys. Heupel, uh, like Ramon Foster told us, you know, he he's a laid-back guy. He connects well with people. He's just one of the guys. He's easy to talk to. How that's what you have to have in recruiting. You you don't you want to come across as authentic. You don't want to come across as a a bad salesman or somebody just making promises or trying to tell a kid what they want to hear. You want to be authentic and by all accounts that seems to be what Josh Heupel is. So it's not a surprise to me that the recruiting has picked up. But I'm glad, I hope that people recognize it now and they can kind of put those questions aside. I hope so. I I really want him to close out strong here. Obviously, up to 16th, we said our threshold was number 15 with the recruiting class. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that's exciting. I mean, he's closing right in. I wrote an article this past week that said if uh, if he gets up to the 11th class in America this year, doable, gonna be tough, but doable especially if you, by some miracle, are able to flip like a Walter Nolan or something like that. You're right there. Um, but if, if he can do that, he'll actually match the exact average of the first two years of Jeremy Pruitt's recruiting, and he'll be one spot behind the first two years of Butch's recruiting. And so you're kind of, I mean, you can basically say like he he faced a way tougher situation than probably both of those guys did. Oh, absolutely. And is doing well, relatively mm-hmm. speaking. Um so God, just imagine Josh Heupel with the talent from 2015 and 2016. Ugh, ugh. Makes me ill. Ugh. Well, nonetheless, with that said, let's talk a little bit about on the way out. Tennessee basketball. Last game out, they took on UNC Greensboro. 40-point win. Nice and easy in that one. But the game before. New York, New York. The Tennessee Vols versus Texas Tech. I I don't want to be too dramatic. But when I say 
That was one of the most painfully, egregiously, horrendously terrible Tennessee sporting events I have ever watched. I don't think that I am being hyperbolic. I am not speaking out of turn by just saying, just, that was awful basketball distilled down into one, what, 45 minute. It was, it went into overtime. We had to watch extra amounts of it. 57-52 lost to Texas Tech and Tennessee deserved it, man. They just played so badly, could not drop a pee in the ocean. And uh, I mean, it, it really, they played solid defense, which makes for absolutely boring basketball. But like, Texas Tech played good defense, but Tennessee had their spots. They had their opportunities. Josiah Jordan James missed a breakaway dunk. That's the game. That's the game in one single play. Josiah Jordan James, a a previous five-star player, he missed a breakaway dunk in that. I mean, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? He tried to sell it for about a second and a half of like that he was hurt maybe laying down and then he just realized that wasn't going to work and he he just took his lumps and got up the court but that was i don't don't even know what happened there he didn't like even slipped on anything he just was down i don't i don't know it yeah it, it was rough now they if they can turn around you have you usc upstate um tuesday of this week that should be another snoozer uh, but Memphis, you're going to Bridgestone Arena, neutral court, neutral court. I mean, I think it's probably going to be a, a Tennessee-ish home game there uh, because a lot of Memphis fans are pretty pissed at Benny Hardaway right now. Uh, they're on a horrific losing streak and just cannot get it together. And so a very winnable game for Tennessee. Get a little, maybe if you can bring the good version of this Tennessee basketball team and not the one that played against Texas Tech. I, I think this... Tennessee has the potential to just cruise through Memphis. They are better. They are better coached. They have more talent. They are a better team all the way around. Their their general headspace is better. Memphis is flailing right now. Uh, if you lose that game, that's another story. Uh, but an exciting matchup coming up with Memphis. I, I Obviously, lots of bitterness in this one. Excited to see how it goes. But I... Again, I, I Tennessee has the potential to blow them out. Yeah, I mean, how many times are you going to see a team go six of forty from three oh, point range? Man. I mean, this is a team that set. I mean, they set a team record for threes earlier this year. They're not a bad shooting team. It was just a terrible night. Texas Tech wasn't much better. I mean, Texas Tech scored like fifteen points in the second half themselves. I mean, it was neither team deserved to win that game in any way. Texas Tech was just as bad. They just happened to score a couple of more points than Tennessee did in overtime. Um, I don't think that game is really representative of, of who this basketball team is. I know it was frustrating. I know everybody was upset, but I don't know. Maybe there's something weird about that arena. I, I, that's I the only heard, thing that really makes sense. I have heard that in kind of cavernous, when the, the arenas where when you get off the floor, it's dark. Yeah, uh, it can kind of throw off your depth perception. Maybe it was that. I don't know. NBA arenas are kind of a different 
animal, but it, that's just hard to imagine that it would be that bad. Yeah, the second half of that game, Tennessee, 19 points. Texas Tech, 15 points in that second half. I mean, good Lord, guys. Come on. In And in overtime, Texas Tech scored 13. So the frick, the lid came off the basket in that overtime period. Yeah, 13 Woo! points in five minutes compared to 15 and 20. I mean, good Lord. Just absolute pain from start to finish. But you, you get it back together. You, it's nice you have two tune-up games before this Memphis game. Memphis is not a pushover. It is going to be tough. Now, they have been sucking it up as of late, and there's a lot of unrest there. Um, I mean, I, I have just been – I would say I certainly seek out the the Memphis basketball Twitter account after they lose because the responses to it are just, fire penny, we suck, this is terrible, I'm embarrassed. And I, I can't lie, I'm definitely taking joy in that just because there was – Oh, yeah. So – so much undue hype over Penny Hardaway and the whole thing. It just, they were just blowing smoke all over that guy. And you look at the results that he's had so far, it's unwarranted. And so as, as of right now, let's see, here's the matchup predictor, Tennessee, according to ESPN's FPI, 74% chance to win. Tennessee is a, what is it uh, doesn't have a line on the game at the thing that I'm looking at, but ha- Tennessee has to be a pretty decent favorite right now. Memphis lost four straight. Those include losses to an Ole Miss team that just lost to Western Kentucky by like 30 two nights ago. Um, a Georgia team that kind of stinks. Iowa State, who's not that good, and they lost to Iowa State by 20. Uh, and then they lost to Murray State. That's their last four games. They lost every single one of them. And you know this this has this has to be a win for Tennessee. Oh, yeah. Get get this one, beat Penny, move on, and then you man. I I don't know why. Like it it's reasonable for Rick to schedule the way that he does to have tough games before you play your league schedule, but to play this many tough games, you have to go straight from this Memphis game three days later and go play Arizona, who I doubt a ton of Tennessee fans have watched Arizona play basketball. They are undefeated. They are very good. They have an inside presence that Tennessee cannot match. Tennessee will not be favored in that game. And it's going to be really, really tough. And is it, is that at like, do we go or is it a neutral floor game? Uh, well, let's see. Oh, crap. Let see. I was just looking at it. I just had it open. Um, yeah, I, I don't honestly, I don't mind these games like this in college basketball, these tough games in, in December. Oh, it's actually at, so that that Arizona game is in TBA. It's actually at Tennessee. Oh, OK. So that's good. Uh, yeah, I don't mind these games. I don't think the, the loss to. The early season losses, Villanova, Texas Tech, it, it doesn't. It doesn't change my opinion of Tennessee. It's not like college football. If Tennessee would have, if if Vestrovi would have hit the shot and and they beat Texas Tech, I don't feel any different about this team. It was still a poorly played game or bad shooting game. 
college basketball is one of those things where you build momentum, you get better as the season progresses, and these early season tough games make you better. I mean, that's what you're going to have to beat in the tournament. You know where you stand. Playing UNC Greensboro and South Carolina Upstate and some of these teams, that doesn't make you really any better. Uh, these tough games are what makes you better. As long as you're a you know, two, three, four seed in the tournament, you, you've got a chance to run the table, and that's really what it's all about. I mean, obviously, you want to win. You, you want to have a yeah. great season. Uh, you want to have a memorable season. You want to have a, a, a 31 and 5 type season, of course. But it's not going to derail your season because you lost in December to a pretty good team. I think to me, everything this season with Tennessee, it comes down to a couple of things. One is Kennedy Chandler just continues to get better and he's playing his mm-hmm. best ball by March, which his, I just have to assume, his best ball is going to be truly excellent because the way that he's already played is just awesome he's an absolute killer and then i i honestly think probably just as important if not more important you got to get these these upperclassmen playing better consistently specifically josiah jordan james he has to bring it more often was horrific against texas tech and, you know, he, he does play like he played really well in that UNC Greensboro game. But what UNC Greensboro, you're going to win that game no matter how Josiah Jordan James plays. Play well mm-hmm. in the huge moments. Vescovy, definitely Fulkerson. Fulkerson, he, he brings it decently often, but he has just total off games where he just is non-existent. And, and Tennessee needs that inside presence and just guys like that. <clears throat> more more consistent play from like an uh, Olivier Kamwa. Some of these things were just these older guys gotta step up gotta be the person that you need them to be you just look back at tennessee's best seasons the 31 season with grant and admiral were there almost any games where grant and admiral didn't step up and be those guys no that's why you won 30 games is because they went out and they were those dudes every single night out that's a ton to ask of kennedy chandler the kid is a true freshman that's a so much to put on his shoulders to just be like, go out and for 30, 30 games, play the best basketball we've ever seen from a freshman at the, you know, at Tennessee. That's a ton to ask. He's going to have off nights. And so you've got to have these guys that can step up. And when it all just goes awry, well, it's the Texas tech game. I mean, it just is the ugliest thing we've all ever seen. Hopefully a game like that doesn't happen for the rest of the year. Learn from it. Move on. Let's go. Your first game in conference is against Alabama who appears to be, Pretty pretty decent. They lost Iona, and then they went and beat Gonzaga. So, um, you know they're they have they have a bad version of themselves also, uh, while also being very very good when they play their best. So, it's it's all there for Tennessee. Still, just keep getting better. That, that's the bulk of my message with them. And look, if you're a Tennessee basketball fan, I urge you to log on the Twitter during a basketball game especially if it's a close game, just for Charlie's tweets. I mean, if Tennessee's losing, you don't you don't want to miss it. It is <laughs> tremendous content. It really is. It, it's, it's, it's organic. It's completely organic, and that's what I love about it, is it's just, it's like watching a game with you where you're getting your unfiltered thoughts in that moment, and it's, it's great. I love it. I, t- like Twitter in that moment for me is a blessing and a curse because I love just putting out a hot take like that. Just sending it out, just being like, Oh God, we're playing like trash. Just being (laughs) mad. 
But at the same time, it never conveys the fact that if if you were sitting next to me on the couch watching that game, as my wife has the unbelievable pleasure of doing uh, (laughs) as I rip my own hair out and scream at the television, you would also see that I say all of that out of love. I mean, I want, obviously, I want Tennessee to succeed. And the rep that I've gotten as this like negative overreactionary type of guy on on Twitter, it all it all comes from love. It's all love, baby. I just yeah, I so just want to see the team succeed. And when and when they don't live up to that potential, it just makes me want to throw my remote through my TV. That's all. Yeah. And, and I don't understand the 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 reputation on that because I see where you're coming from. And that's that's how I take it. That's how I've always taken it. I think because I, mean, I think, I think that's just, how most sports fans are. I think there's just too many sensitive people out there. A, a lot, a ton of people. I mean, I almost have like ten thousand followers on Twitter. I don't. I, that's not a bragging thing, but I do. And and you know, most of those people get where I'm coming from. Obviously, we have thousands of people who listen to this show. They get where we're coming from and know that we're not just like these bitter terror there are yeah. i will say there are people who are just oh oh i see I, them in the mentions almost yeah, every day like there's I, a few select <laughs> like i want to just go like do you enjoy anything like do you I've have joy it in your life <laughs> like do you want to see tennessee win do you want to see them do well because it seems like you're rooting for them to fail while you have the yeah. word vols in your twitter handle it just it I mean, it just makes me want to pull my hair out while I watch it. But then at the end of the day, I go, you know, I'm I'm just happy for for my boys and girls. Yeah, you just want to win. Watching, let's just we we play to win the game, and that's all I yeah. want to see. And I love when there's success. And I, I mean, I'll I'll be honest, like I've cried watching Tennessee sports, <laughs> haven't we all? He, he who has not good and bad, on. yeah, yeah. That that's true. That is true. Um, so don't don't come into my mentions being like you're so negative. You're negative about it. Shut up. We all, if we get it, no, you're not telling me anything I don't know. You're not telling me anything new. I just I am who I am. Take it or leave it. I don't know. The unfollow button's right there. What are you doing? Yeah. The internet is free. Why are you? Why are you telling me this? You're not paying for this. Why are you complaining? <laughs> what do you want me to do? Exactly. There's uh, no well, refund to give. Well, that's it. Uh, Zach, any final thoughts for the good folks at home? No, I, think, I think we covered it all pretty much there. Really did another hour plus for us here. I'll throw this up ASAP on the old internets. Uh, at Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT on Twitter, at A to Z Sports, A to Z, f- Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville, A to Z Sports.com for the stuff that we write. Um, otherwise, again, look out for the new, I want to talk about it so badly, the stuff that we're trying to plan for this bowl game, man. It, if it if it all comes to fruition, it's going to be so killer. I'm so hyped. Go, uh, go follow Jonathan Crompton also, Crump 8 on Twitter. He's he does uh, the game day show with me. I don't know why I don't ever plug that. I do a game day show on for football games with Jonathan Crompton uh, on the A to Z sports social medias, face Facebook, Twitter, uh, Twitch and YouTube. Go find it all there. Um, So during the bowl game, we we're going to have an event uh, with a game day show. 
outside of that, I think that's all the stuff that we got to plug. The A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed. Rate, review, subscribe. We'll see you all there. Thank you so much to everybody who listened. And we'll talk to you all next week. See you guys later.